showing our employees and our team all across the country that you can find meaning and purpose in the work that you're doing. Even if it's selling clothes, there's a benefit behind that, behind what we're doing here. So I think it's all converged quite interestingly. Purpose Tea Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. A really warm welcome to Purposely with Jill Whelan, the inaugural head of the Cooper Foundation. It's a charitable entity of the successful fashion business to Cooper. Prior to taking up this role, Jill played a crucial role in St Kilda Mums, a charity and a social enterprise based in Victoria, Australia. In this episode, we dive into corporate foundations. We have a really good conversation about effective philanthropy. Enjoy the episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe, share with friends and family. Enjoy. Jill Wellen, welcome to Purposely. Thank you so much for having me. You're the head of the Cooper Foundation. What's its vision and mission? The Cooper Foundation is on a mission to make amazing attainable for everyone. So that's a lovely broad, broad term, isn't it? And I think our even broader goal, an ambitious goal, is to positively impact 25 million lives by 2025. So that makes you know a big job for me. But it's it's wonderful to have that that really driving ambition, I think. We're really committed to to transforming lives and helping those in need and and ultimately creating real sustainable change. So it's um it's yeah, it's it's a real driver for us. And it's a corporate foundation or it's the cor- it's the sort of charitable entity of a corporate, a fashion label, but uh, with the same name. Tell us a bit about Dakuba Fashion. I believe it was started 2009 sort of time. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was bought by our, our owner, Tanya Austin in 2008. And it's a women's and girls apparel brand. And where we have about, uh, roughly 140 stores around Australia and New Zealand. And it's a great successful business. And then the foundation was formally established last year, um, as a way to provide sort of more structure and strategy around the charitable giving that DeCuba was, was already doing really. And I came on board this year, in July this year, as, as um, to head it up. And fashion's under the spotlight, isn't it? But yeah. Takuba is a, a really responsible fashion label. And so, yeah, starting their own charitable foundation was probably always going to be something they would do. But tell us a bit about the sort of philosophy of Tanya Austin and the company. And that kind of helped lays the groundwork, doesn't it, for the, the charity that comes later? It absolutely does. Um, you know, the, the aim of DeCuba is to make everybody feel amazing. We're not, um, you know, we've, we're just focused on that resolutely with our, with our customers coming into store and also with our staff. And I think that that's where things have really evolved with, uh, both our sustainability strategy and also with the, the launch of the foundation. And they've, they've really gone hand in hand at looking at the way that we, you know, the impact that we have you know, our environmental footprint and the way that we interact with our staff and how we attract and attain staff, all of those things are sort of come into play. We don't shy away from the fact that we're a fast fashion brand and that has environmental impact and we're sort of fronting up to that really um, as much as we can and trying to go even further than I guess is expected of us and leading the way in some various initiatives to make sure that that we're doing the best that we can and, and looking at different innovations and the ways that we 
source our suppliers and all sorts of different things to really address that and move forward with that. And the foundation sort of goes hand in hand with that. We're looking at partnering with organisations both locally and internationally that can help in that space, that can provide support to organisations who are who are involved in those sort of changes and really also, I think, looking for a connection for our staff to the charitable organisations in, in our country and further, further afield as well. And we'll get, yeah, get it more into the foundation in a minute, but just focusing a bit on Tanya, impressive individual to sort of I know she she bought it, but to to grow it, to scale it, to for it to be the success it's been, I imagine she's an impressive person to work with. Yeah, she absolutely is very very inspiring. Um, it's it's wonderful to work for a female owner, I must admit, and she is also she's very agile in the way that she approaches the business and and the the changes that she makes and the the decisions that she makes and that sort of fast pace. I really really enjoy working with. Um, yeah, so she's she was, uh, her and her ex-husband um, founded Cotton On back in the day and um, so she was very successful in, in in the launch of Cotton On and then went on to to buy Decuba and create this amazing fashion brand. So headquartered in Australia, in Oz, you're selling products globally and big, you know, looks like a big presence online. How many colleagues have you got and where are they situated in Australia? So yeah, head office is in Melbourne and we have around about 150 staff who are based in head office. And then we have, as I said, stores all around Australia and New Zealand, and that's about sort of 1500 retail staff around the country and in New Zealand. And Charitable Foundation was on the original mission plan or, or you know, business plan, or it sort of came into light that this is something I'd really like to do. And they started researching it and they arrived at your door. So yes. you're the, you're the founding head of the, the foundation. Tell us a bit about how it came into scope and, and did you know who Takuba were before and other than maybe buying a few products on them or? Yeah, I was lucky enough to work closely with the team in my previous role. So I worked for a not-for-profit prior to coming into this role called St Kilda Mums and Decuba were actually a funding partner of ours. So I worked really closely with Tanya and the senior team on, on our partnership and then particularly this earlier this year when we held quite a big event and, and uh, Decuba were presenting partner with that. So I did know them well and um, and knew their approach to giving and, and what they were looking to do with the foundation and really was just quietly biding my time, presuming that they'd, they'd want to bring on a general manager or to someone to head up the foundation at some point. And, um, and when that opportunity came, I jumped at it. You thought that could be you before it even happened almost. You wanted that job before it even was um, yeah, put into a yeah. job description. I really did. I, lo- I love the team and the way that they work. I, like I said before, I really love their approach to giving and, you know, Prior to the establishment of the foundation, Decuba had already been very active in in giving to charities, and um, and I knew that they had a real focus on this and wanted to grow it. And it's really part; it's really woven into the into the business plan. and And I I like that level of importance that they place on it, and also you know really love the team as well. So yeah, it was um, it was exciting when the opportunity came up. And just walking through the door, and we'll go back to your career in a minute but looking at what you've picked up when you've you know the, the sort of foundations business plan if you like or like 
how much have they done for you or how much do you have to do? And, and what will be the main source of income? Will some of the money come from employees through employee giving and other from profits? Is that where the money will come to, to then do work in the community and with good causes? Yeah, and that's what we're. That's one of the um, tasks I have at the moment is is establishing that in a bit more of a more structured way. So they'd worked quite extensively on establishing the strategy around the foundation before I came on board, and looking at the sort of key pillars of the the organisation of the how we wanted to uh, look at charitable organisations. And so with that, those had been defined, which was great. And then yeah. basically I've come on board and there were already some partnerships in place as well. So done a bit of a um, an assessment of all of those and really delved into those and looked at how, what we wanted to do going forward. And I've hit the ground running and establishing some new partnerships, extending out some others. And also, yeah, looking at the way that we can we can grow the income, and that's going to be through a variety of different ways. Yes, workplace giving is on is on the agenda, which is very exciting, and also um, looking at some sort of in store initiatives as well. So, from actually next month, we'll be having a reusable bag in store, so that sort of fits into our environmental and our sustainability policy as well. So we'll and there'll be a charge for that bag, and. 100% of the proceeds of that will go, will tip into foundation, which is really exciting. And some other initiatives around that as well, as well as, as yeah, looking to have a, an established percentage of profit as well that will go into foundation. What role will the employees have in terms of what do you expect, expectations of them in terms of their giving or their sort of potential for their well, charitable? Well, they've, <laughs> We've had such an enthusiastic response to the to the establishment of the foundation, and that's that's been really very exciting. We do a lot of sort of touch points internally, um, talking about foundation quite a lot. There's a lot of interaction. We really want to bring our partnerships to life for our staff. Look for ways that they can volunteer where it's appropriate, and really give them a a great understanding of of what we're trying to do and the and the amazing organisations that we've partnered with. So I think that, you know, when we roll out workplace giving, we feel really confident that there'll be a great response to that. And then there's also, you know, our retail staff are at the front line talking to our customers about foundation as well. So we empower them with a lot of knowledge about what we're doing with our partnerships. And then we do initiatives in store, which help to shine a spotlight on our partnerships as well. And they, you know, we'll, we'll talk to the customer about it as well. And, and hopefully the giving continues through our, through our community and our customers. Yeah. And I think, you know, with cause related marketing, which you sort of touched on previously, mm. so it's really important if you do a pro- if a you do a product and it that one hundred percent of the proceeds go to the good cause, especially if it's an internal one, because you know that that shows that the the commitment from the company, doesn't it, to you know making a difference to the world. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's obviously what we want to. We want to bring everyone along on the journey with us. I know that 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 probably gets bandied around a lot, but it's very much that way. And I think one of the great examples is our partnership with the Hunger Project, which has actually been for quite a number of years. And um, we do we do a tea every year where which we a t-shirt which we sell in store and 100% of the proceeds go towards that. We've done immersion programs prior to COVID where we've taken some staff to countries such as Uganda and India and really seen those projects in action. It's been quite an extensive partnership and really sort of helped bring to life what the power of giving by Decuba. And our staff have reacted incredibly positively to that. And 
I think launching a child foundation is brilliant, but it's also comes with some risks. And um, because, you know, you on one hand, on a positive side, you get to sort of own the agenda or you you can kind of control the, the messaging and the narrative and also the giving. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, the, if you, the head of the foundation or the foundation messes up, the company potentially suffers and, and the you know, their, their value would suffer even, like commercially they would suffer. Does that weigh fairly heavily and does that, that probably helps in terms of sharpen your mind around how you're going to operate in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You've always got to take those things into consideration and, and really protect your brand. I, I like to think that, you know, we do obviously quite a bit of due diligence when we're launching with a, with a new partner, but I never wanted to, and we take all of those necessary steps, but I, I think that we never want it to detract from what we're trying to do with the foundation. It's easy to get bogged down in a lot of that kind of thing, but ultimately we want to be giving, we want to be supporting amazing organisations to do the work that they do. And a focus of mine is making that as simple as possible and as, you know, at, as less onerous as possible mm. on the organisations that we work with. And I guess I bring my experience in not-for-profit to the forefront there. Um, yeah. There's a particular, you know, I do have a particular view around what good giving looks like and luckily it's pretty aligned with, you know, Tanya and um, and the team at DeCuba. I'm fascinated to know when you walked in and you, and they'd done that. So they'd worked out the themes of the, of the charitable foundation. They'd walked out, worked out, like you said, those pillars. How much of it like, did you want to change? And how, how good a job are they doing? Like, did you give them an A plus or did <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did actually. It was great. I mean, it could have been slightly awkward after otherwise, but no, it's been, um, it's been fantastic. They've really done a great job in, in setting up those pillars. I think if, if anything, I just, um, I suggested making them sort of the definition behind them a little broader, so it wasn't so, it wasn't quite so restrictive. And and we've added in a couple since then because we've established some partnerships that are very meaningful, but didn't quite fit into those. And um, I didn't want that to limit what we were doing. But other than that, no, it's really helped. It's really helped all of us and and me as well to you know be particularly focused on what we want to do and. And be able to talk about that, particularly with our staff as well, and to the broader community. So it's, um, yeah, it's been good. So themes nailed down, structure completely nailed down. Cause I think the crucial thing about corporate foundation, in particular, when it's aligned to a whole lot of different stakeholders with different beliefs and desires and lots of stuff, that structure is really important. So you got to, in some ways, as the head of, you got to protect yourself through the structure. So I'm thinking, um, independent trustees of some sort or some sort of, structure that helps protect you and it gives you a chance to say no sometimes right and stand back and go this isn't my necessarily my view or decision but actually doesn't fit with the themes or it's just not right for our organization what is there much to do on the structure um i work really closely obviously with tanya and we have an advisory board that we work closely with as well so you know it's always great to have a range of opinions and and be able to sound have a sounding board with other people from different areas of the business to discuss what we're doing but you know i'm i sort of work alone at this point with regard to foundation but i'm able to tap into obviously other areas of the business to support me whether it be communications and finance and those sort of areas so i feel i feel very supported but it's not it's not a dense structure and i think that that works better and i think that 
luckily we're all really aligned on what we're what we're trying to do here so it's not like having to go through too many processes but it's a it's a vocal board which is wonderful and we have you know vigorous discussions about what we're our plans are and 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 how we want to roll those out but um ultimately very aligned and um and feel very supported and so it's a independent charity but with this relatively small board to get you off that startup because you're you know you're a startup foundation i guess aren't you that's yeah, one way yeah. of looking at it you know you just got to fi- you're sort of finding your feet is, is that the best way of describing it yeah i would say, well i you know we're not we're not new to the world of giving and um we're not and we also have we have been supporting a number of organizations for for um a few years and so it's good to have that base but i would definitely say we're only just getting started in terms of what we want to do yeah and you picked up on your excitement about getting the role, and it's a role that you really were happy to get and really wanted. For the last 10 years, you've sort of been on the other side of the fence, haven't you? So you've been really involved uh, lots of different roles, but running St Kilda Mums. Tell us about St Kilda Mums, which is a fascinating organisation who's had real reach in Victoria. But yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, great. Uh, so St Kilda Mums is a, as you said, a, a not-for-profit organisation based in Melbourne, but really with impact right around Victoria. And they are about sort of a um, a $3 million charity. So not quite, they were very grassroots and, and small when I first started then. It's grown quite significantly. And they rehome donated nursery equipment to, um, to families in need. So they'll have people, you know, you can donate your old cot or pram or car seat, high chair, those sorts of things, as well as clothing, toys, book snappies. They have a fantastic volunteer workforce who help transform those items, clean them, safety check them, get them all ready, and then they give them out for free via social service agencies to families in need in Victoria. So quite a simple model and, and it really it really hadn't hasn't changed in the in the time that I was there, but amazing impact with an environmental focus as well. So you know stopping items going potentially going into landfill, giving them a second second lease of life and then you know giving them out to to families and really transforming but really being able to have a significant impact on that family with um, both financially and just in garden with, with regard to self-esteem and confidence and helping them to provide these items for their children yeah and St Kilda Mums is, provides a lot of volunteering opportunities for, mm. for people and that is that how you got involved I did I got involved with volunteering I'd, I'd spent some um I'd spent five years living in New York with my family and and came back and was at a bit of a loose end. I, I, I was sort of looking to re-engage with my community and um, and had some time on my hands and so I started volunteering there and sort of did a number of roles uh, over the, the first few years and, and really fell in love with the organisation and, and the original founder and CEO, Jessie McPherson, was an incredibly inspiring and ambitious woman and she, she sort of draws people in and takes and really took us all on the journey with her of growing the organization so it was a fantastic place to be involved with and and um it as i said grew very quickly and then it ultimately provided me with with opportunities in terms of my career i think a great sort of you know moment to say that you know not opportunities in not for profit can be really amazing i think they're not often top of mind for for people and i think particularly young women and i I've always sort of advocated for for considering not-for-profit work 
when you're starting out your career and at other moments because it really you can you can move up the ranks really quite quickly and just learn so many skills in that environment it's a very rewarding rewarding place to work as well yeah and great and great place to land and start from the beginning almost or get it reintegrate back into australia from the states yeah that that was that was the great thing that was really helpful for me i'd, I'd taken a quite an extensive period of parental leave and you know prior to that i'd been sort of working in media and media sales and it's a, it's a real challenge to to get back up to speed after you've had an extended period out of the workforce and out of the country as well so um, I'd gone back into sort of part-time work, funnily enough, in with another fashion company, but realised that I think the volunteering at Secure Mums made me realise that's where I wanted to steer my career. And so when an opportunity came up there, I jumped at it and um, and then kind of moved up the ranks from there. Yeah. And really difficult decision, I know, from um, stuff I've watched online that for you <laughs> to leave and a very emotional goodbye to that team. But incredibly challenging at times like um you know because you're balancing real life stuff around raising money lack of resources i think is a big thing for non-profit isn't it doing a lot with not much definitely that uh, yeah absolutely i think that 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 was always a challenging aspect um and you know fundraising at the best of times is challenging also can be incredibly rewarding but we did have to work very hard and and um and i worked in the partnerships the corporate partnership space and in and in a role in pr as well but i think the most difficult time as you can imagine was covid that was you know melbourne was in very strict lockdown that for an extended period of time and as a not-for-profit my goodness you know the the need for support from our organisation was just going up and up and up and, and we were really restricted in terms of what we could do, who could be in our warehouse, how we could manage our service. And then, of course, from a fundraising perspective, we we couldn't hold any events and, you know, a lot of the the normal ways that I'd interact with our corporate partners was was restricted. So it was that was a particularly challenging time and, and I think one of the things that it taught me is that sometimes people are wait, just waiting to be asked for help. They're just waiting for you to, to pick up the phone and say, we're in real difficulty here. Can you step up and help us? And, and resoundingly, I found that our major donors and corporate partners did that. And they were like, I'm so happy that you called. I'm so thankful that you called. And they, and they really saw us through that time. It was really quite amazing. Going back to March 2020, and you're right, Melbourne or Victoria of all parts of the world in fact eh? like um new zealand pretty strict lockdown and i think in fact you had something like you know almost entire year lockdown in total over the two-year period but go back to march 2020 like do you remember what it was like did you sleepless nights um were you really sure about what your leadership was going to look like or what you need to do next what go back to then yeah we well it was, I also almost feel like oh, I'm just, you know, imagining what that was like, remembering what that was like. And it was, it was really, it was difficult in that we were wondering, you know, were we going to be able to keep our doors open? And at that point, then, um, you know, essential services were able to keep their doors open, but we couldn't have any volunteers. And we were like, what are we going to, how are we going to be able to process stock? How can people get their donations to us? So there was a lot of things logistically that we were trying to work through. And Jesse and, and the, and the leadership team and including myself were, were literally on Zoom calls every single morning, just working out how to manage that day. 
little did we know how how long it was going to extend out through. But I think we remained very focused on we need to meet the need. How are we going to meet the need? And we came up with all sorts of creative ideas on how to do that. And we did manage to get through it in and be able to continue delivering our service. But it was, yeah, it's challenging. We had to we had a sort of skeleton operational staff on board in the in the warehouse, but they they had to really work incredibly hard to be able to do all the things that normally a big army of volunteers would do. And we had to work on how we could we could all stay very connected as a team as well. So yeah, it did bring its challenges, but very proud to reflect on the way that we were able to get through that. Um, all the families that we were be able, we were able to help. And keep in mind, many of those families at that time had never had to ask for help before. Yeah. Suddenly, you know, if you're in a in a family where both potentially parents have lost their jobs, and um, you know, suddenly can't provide for their for their children, it was there were some really confronting stories. I must yeah. Admit. Mm. Absolutely, and we I think we all learned a lot about ourselves, um, didn't we? And if you're running, I think if you're in a leadership organisation, in some ways you're rewarded for keeping on, keeping on. But fundraising or sales became quite tricky didn't it so morally whether you keep asking for money or whether you keep selling when the whole world had stopped right yeah absolutely and and, but surprisingly we we took the perspective of well we actually didn't really have an option to be honest and so we we lent into it and said we have to ask we really we really have to ask and I think the June of that year of the first year and our Christmas appeal that year were two of our most successful ever astoundingly because people, um, you know, they stepped up and they and they wanted to help. And look, let's be honest: not everyone was impacted financially from COVID. Some people, some people came out kind of better. And I think that those those people thought, well, you know, how lucky am I? I need to help. I need to help those people who who were being very impacted. And um, the mere fact that we said we're in real trouble here, we need, you know, it's going to be difficult for us to keep our doors open if we don't have your support. And people people stepped up. And focusing a bit more on yourself in terms of you've had, as you said, um, media sales jobs, um, you've been an, an executive assistant, you've done PR and marketing, but, you know, you've had real foot in kind of corporate or business. You Then you find yourself in the sort of charity sector or the voluntary sector. Is that kind of blend between the two your comfort zone? Like, do you understand both worlds? Do you find one more frustrating than the other? Like. <laughs> Where does where does you know where does um, Jill Whelan where does she most feel at home or or yeah. at ease? I think I feel pretty comfortable within the two. I must admit. I think that my professional experience that I brought into the into my role in in the not for profit sector was really valuable, particularly for for when the organisation was very young and we had a lot of volunteers on board, and then we grew. I think it's important to have those sort of professional organizational structures as you as you grow and as you start to employ people and often that comes from your volunteer pool you know you need to look at things differently you need to encourage your staff to look at things I think in a more professional manner and I and I like to think that I brought that too and I think that that partnership building you know, having having already worked in the business sector and having built a lot of relationships and networked quite extensively in my previous roles, bringing those into not-for-profit was extremely valuable. And I could grow those through, you know, grow those prior relationships and 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 build on something there. And that was that was really helpful as well. Have you always someone who wanted your career to kind of count around purpose and making a difference to the world? Like it's always it's always something that's played on your mind. So when you were doing you know, at Channel 9 doing uh, media sales, did that 
did that feel a bit sort of wrong for you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funnily enough, it, it it kind of did. I, I um and and interestingly, because this is where sort of things have converged for me a bit. I worked when I was working as an executive assistant. I was working at the Just Group, which is an apparel company here in Victoria, and I felt um. I felt it was so meaningless. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm volunteering with St Kilda Mums and that felt very, you know, I felt very aligned to that and very purposeful. And then I'm thinking fashion, it's just kind of meaningless. And as it would happen, here I am, you know, working across both of those sectors now and can understand how you can have meaning in in that. I, we, you know, there is there is a way to to bring that out. And part of the thing that I'm you know, driven towards is showing our employees and our team all across the country that you can find meaning and purpose in the work that you're doing. Even if it's selling clothes, there's a benefit behind that, behind what we're doing here. So I think it's all converged quite interestingly. <laughs> yeah, because I think business has changed in, in some ways in that people talk, even even if it's just what they talk about, they talk about purpose and shareholder value or profit or, that you know, Maybe in the eighties and the nineties, it was, it was just maybe you talk about, you only really felt comfortable talking about you make as much money as you could from, you know, extracting something. Yeah. And, but you know, companies, even if they're at the sort of greenwashing end yeah. or the, the purpose washing, but yeah, certainly, you know, there's been purposeful companies from, uh, day one, you know, like there's a hundred, you know, a hundred years or so, but. That personal drive that you had, does that, does that come from anything in your past? Like, do, what was, what was the narrative at home when you're growing up? Like, what, what were your parents saying around, um, you know, principles and ethos and doing the right thing and, 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 you know, helping the collective? Was that a narrative at home? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was really, um, not overtly, but, um, that was really sort of instilled into, into us growing up that, that, you know, you, you give back where you can, or you, if it's not financially, you can do it through actions. And, and that's, that's something important that I've, that I've always had with me. But I think it was, it was in, instilled in us growing up. And, and also just that, you know, my mother was sort of very pragmatic in the fact that, you know, if we were complaining that we didn't have something or we couldn't do something, she was sort of, there's always something worse off than you, you know, it's, you're actually doing pretty okay. So we, so having that perspective and 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 looking at um, looking at things through that lens, I think yes, more than I'd realised that's that's sort of been instilled in me throughout my life. And your fashion's important to you clearly, and fashion's changed, changing. You know, like the view of uh, what body shape is is acceptable or which is um, valued, and what skin colour, and and so much is changing in the fashion world right across to use of products and how sustainable they are and the impact on the world. I'm imagining this is a direction you really love and you're, you're a parent, so you'd have keen interest in fashion being different. Absolutely. I think it's the most, it's such an exciting time to be a part of this world. And it's really different from my previous experiences working in fashion, right from what you said, from, from the models that we use with the expectations from our customers and how they want to see themselves represented with our label, with the way that we're sourcing materials and, and connecting with supplies, all of those different things. And like I mentioned before, the way that we want to attract and retain staff, you have to have these considerations in play to be able to attract staff, which is a difficult thing at the moment. There's, there's, you know, trying to, recruitment is, is really tough across the market here in, here in Australia. So, you know, what, why do people want to work for us? What, 
what are they hearing from us? Why do they want to buy from us? It's it's incredibly important to have all this in place and for the right reasons. And I really feel that that's such a thing. That's such so clear at Decuba that it's it's not as you say greenwashing. It's not it's not just doing it for for um for the sake of doing it. We've placed a real priority on it, and it travels through all aspects of the business. It's really very integrated, and it's. And, you know, it's one of the great things about working for a private company, I must say. It's not it's not that focus uh, on what we're creating for shareholders. It's a focus on our staff and our team and our customer. And in terms of the future of the foundation, so as you said, it's it's you at the moment, but you've got resources, you know, you can call on the HR team, the IT mm. team, the, yes. the, you know, you're closely you're closely aligned with the, the management and the trustees of the mm. charity. Where would you like to be in, in, you know, in a year's time with the foundation? Like I mentioned before, we're just getting started. So there's a real focus on what, as, as Tanya is always saying to me, what more can we do? How can we do more? And, and we're always looking at the way that we can grow the the pot so to speak to um to be able to give more and a real focus on building out long-term relationships with our partners so we want to be able to empower them to really either evolve a program or have knowledge that they're going to be funded for sort of three to five years and be able to go forward and do the amazing work that they're doing we want to give them that that security and i guess the other thing that we were looking at is is how can we you know, even take some risks and get involved in some things that are that are you know big plays, you know, in the world of of um, of maybe climate change or mental health or something like that. It's not just focusing on what is needed right now, but how can we protect ourselves into the future? Um, how can we create something or work with with people that can really have a huge impact? So, being able to being in that space is super exciting, and that will be. I think that trusted. Um, and long-term sustainable source of funding that you give partner organizations is absolutely crucial. Because eh? I think a lot of corporates or funders fall into the trap of, you know, they demand that a charity takes their service or their yeah. uh, initiative to a big, a, a new part of the world or a new city or whatever. And then, you know, they're all off the back of a year's commitment. But actually, uh, you know, one thing I've learned through um, my career is that funders, you know, really, it's a, it's a mutually, benefiting relationship mm. it mm. should be an equal partnership and you know it should be long-term thinking rather than short-term thinking Don't you, all of those things important a hundred percent and and being on the other side when I worked in Sikuna Mums and 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 you know I know what a good partnership looked like for us and I you know can quite frankly tell you there was sometimes some outrageous you know considerations put on funding from people who either wanted to us to do to move away from what our core service was or to create something in their name or to have very onerous reporting, all of those sorts of things. And I've made it really clear, even in initial discussions with some new partners, that that's not what we, not the way that we work. That's not what we require, we require of you. And the look of relief on their faces that I sort of lay that out up front and the look of relief when they know that I've been in the not-for-profit world, it's, it hits me every single time. It really hits me every single time. So if we as a foundation can, it can be quite vocal in the way that we're looking to to give and the way that we want to do that and inspire others to do it in a similar way, then that I would be really happy about that as well. So when you're funding a, a project in the future, you, you know, your foundation will fund back office costs and the costs that take to the, the charity to get that program Absolutely. launched. Needs and, to yeah. be, it needs to be consideration, capacity building, all of that, that has to be a consideration. Otherwise it's... you. 
the charity gets caught out in the end if they're just funding programs and that they can't find the funding for that for that um, for all those other key things. It needs to be part of the total cost, absolutely. And going back to what I said around the risk, it's so important you have that open dialogue with those organisations you partner with. Eh? Like it's, um, it's that's imperative. You, you if there's a problem at their end, you get you guys get to hear about it pretty soon. So having that open dialogue. That is key, I think. I think, and Tan makes it. Uh, Tan, Tan's made it really clear, and we're on the same page here. That uh, we want to work with. We want to have great relationships. You know, we're putting a lot of time and energy into into these partnerships, and and to work with with really great people, and we're all aligned is is super important. So, you know, that's we look for that as part of the, you know when we're looking at our for new partnerships, we want to see how we all work together and and how we interact with each other, and and whether that's you know something that that we can move forward with and I would like to think that and look nothing ever goes smoothly or it's rare that everything goes smoothly but when you've got those great relationships and you can have someone pick up the phone and go you know here's where we're at there's been this sort of problem then absolutely we can we can all work together on that and um that's not something that should be shied away from you've got a difficult task because there wasn't you know there wasn't a you before you're the first and that's a that's a new entity have you drawn sort of inspiration from other charitable foundations that maybe are corporate ones and then just generally how do you how do you get inspired <laughs> i um i do a lot of reading and talking to people who are sort of working uh within within the charitable sector and i've got luckily from my time at St Kilda Mums I've, re- I've got really strong networks of um you know people working in all different aspects of of the of that sector who you know, and I'm grateful that they'll call me up and sort of say, you know, have you looked at what this person's doing or have you thought about this or, you know, I've also got um, some close friends who are working in some really large foundations and I and and they're always, um, you know, helping sort of steer me along the right course and, and or providing ideas. And so, yeah, I think you've got to keep a really open mind, be talking to a lot of people. I really, I love it when people approach me cold and sort of say, look, look at us over here. This is what we're doing. You know, can you, can we have a chat with you? I think that that's really important. It doesn't happen as often as you'd think either, which surprises me, really surprises me that we don't, um, that people aren't actively sort of seeking out help from foundations like this. I think there's a little tip for the not-for-profit sector. If you're, if you're open, open-minded and, 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 um, and looking to sort of have quite a broad, view of charities right around the country it's it's also it's something that should be really encouraged more i think are you uh does empathy take over with you like will you find it hard to to say no to people who pitch you i I don't think it's ever easy but i've got to have you know have my business brain on as well and we can't we can't help everyone at you know right at this moment but it's not to say that something doesn't come up in the future and it's always worthwhile having that conversation i think and it's um like I said, I'm talking to to a lot of other foundations and discussing things. And if it might not be the right fit for for the Decuba Foundation, it's sitting there in my mind, and it may come up in a conversation that leads to something else in the future. Wonderful. I just picked up on your absolute excitement about the the next phase of your career and your life. Are you in the, the you know the the best job possible? Like this this is your real dream. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And how amazing that I can say that. <laughs> I don't think, mm. I, you know, I don't think everyone gets to say that at some point, but I feel like all of the different things that I've done in my career so far have led up to this point and it just feels, uh, you know, very, very 
exciting to be in this position. I really feel like I can, you know, working with Tanya and the team really help bring this to life, hopefully inspire others along the way. Really, I think an important part of any foundation is to bring people along on the journey with them and and hopefully, in, you know, inspire our customers and, and as well to, once we sort of shine a, a spotlight on these organisations that we're working with, I think we as a country have a potential to give a lot more than we do at the moment. And um, at the foundation, we want to really be at the forefront of that and to be able to lead us through this next phase. How exciting. So exciting. To well and massive thank you for joining me on Purposely. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you like what you're hearing because I sure do.